As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. Coming off their most complete performance of the season, our beloved leave the Queen City and head up north to the Motor City for a rematch and a revenge game against the division rival Detroit Lions. Can the Bears get even and rule the Lions' playoff chances, or will they just sweep us again? Pride of Detroit's Jeremy Reisman joins us on the Week 15 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. All right, I got a ticket to The Last Jedi burning a hole in my pocket. So let's go ahead and get this bad boy over with. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the Week 15 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. And man, Week 15 already. I mean, it just uh, it uh, it goes by in a blink, doesn't it? I mean, this, uh, this season has been awful and challenging. Uh, and, and everything in between, and uh, yet it's it's almost over, and I don't want it to be. Uh, you'll hear our good friend Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit say say something very similar to the end uh, at the end of our uh, our interview. Um, glad to have him back on to help preview uh, the rematch between the Bears and the Lions. The Bears, of course, uh, losing as I predicted they would in my 43 minute profanity laced tirade after losing to Green Bay. I said we would lose again to Detroit in embarrassing fashion, and unfortunately, I was correct. So, um, uh, it's um, it's interesting. We we were playing on Saturday this time around. Uh, I don't really know why, uh, but we are. We're the early game, if you will, kicking off at about three. 30 central time uh you know on nfl network it's uh, exclusively on nfl network so if you're not uh you don't have nfl network uh you're pretty much screwed because i checked um usually they simulcast the uh the games uh on uh, on a network and um yeah it's they're not it's, it's on nfl network so either you're streaming it or you're watching it on nfl network or you are sol so i don't know what my what my listeners and such are doing across the pond over there. I don't know if NFL Game Pass covers you guys with that, but uh, I hope it does so you don't miss the game. Uh, it's going to be a good game. It, it almost always is between the Bears and the Lions, which is why I, I hate the team but love the games. Uh, you know, we're, we're always in these, these intense, very close football games, regardless of the record between the Bears and the uh, and the Lions. And, uh, you know, it sucked losing to them a lot more 
when when Schwartz was the head coach because it was it wasn't so much that I hated losing to the Lions. I hated losing to that guy, you know, to being I had to lose into a team that was led by that schmuck. I, I never really I never liked Jim Schwartz. That guy was a douchebag across the board, and I'm glad uh, he's gone. I mean, he's a good coach and he's proving that once again as D coordinator in in Philadelphia, as he was in Buffalo and so on and so forth. The guy can get it done on the defensive side. He's a, he's a good coordinator. He's another, um, oh, what was the example that I used? He's a, well, you know, you hate to say it, but he's a, he's a Wade Phillips type. You know, he's an awesome coordinator, but you get him in charge of the whole team, taking away his focus from the one side of the, of the football that he's, uh, you know, an absolute wizard in. And all of a sudden he's not as effective as he was uh, before. So, I mean, I think that, uh, he very much uh, could be one of those guys, you know. He's probably inching his way towards, at the very least, interviews for a head coaching job uh, this off season. But I think it's better if uh, if we if anybody would pass uh, on that, because as a head guy, number one, character that is non-existent. The guy doesn't have any, and number two, um, in Detroit, he was he didn't get it done. So anyway, not a whole lot to uh, cover. Uh, between now and our uh, revisit with our friend Jeremy Reisman. But one major, major headline came across uh, everyone's desk earlier this week when uh, the Windy City, Fly- Windy City, excuse me, Windy City Flyer himself, Devin Hester, uh, retired uh, officially. Um, hasn't played uh, since the end of last season, I believe. He finished the year with uh, Seattle in the playoffs. I, I believe he did. Like he he was with Baltimore, and I think they let him go late in the season. And he caught on with the Seahawks, and uh, was with them in the playoffs uh, last year, if I'm not mistaken. But obviously, his major stops in Chicago, and he had a couple of decent years uh, in Atlanta. But of course, his time with Chicago is what made him. Uh, a legend and Hall of Fame worthy, and there's a discussion right there. You know, there and that, and the funny thing is, it's um, you know, you, you hate to compare the two because their impact in the game was completely different. Um, but you think about a guy like uh, Ray Guy, uh, the punter from the from the L.A. Raiders and the Oakland Raiders back in the day, widely regarded as one of the greatest punters of all time. But because he was a punter, um. He didn't get his due for many, many, many years. I think he finally did get in, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, many, many years this guy, you know, waited his turn to try to get in. He was drafted in the first round, for Christ's sake, by the uh, by the Raiders back in the day. And, um, you know, had the impact the first-round pick is supposed to have and was, you know, probably the best punter that's ever lived. One of the... Um, one of the college awards is uh, named after him, the Ray Guy Award for the best punter in the nation. A friend of mine, Mike Cypress, formerly of the uh, San Diego Chargers, uh, was a candidate for it his senior year in college in 2002 when we were out there uh, uh, together, and he was amazing. If, if um, Maybe I'll have to put one of those together, but uh, a highlight reel for a punter isn't supposed to be uh, awe-inspiring. His was. He was really something to watch, and Really amazing to see up close and personal to watch the hang time and uh, and anyway, but you know because Devin was a specialist and that's where he made the majority of his impact. Um, there's no doubt that he was the best returner that's ever played 
the game. The absolute, unless you talk to Gail Sayers, and then all of a sudden the conversation gets blurry. But when you ask anyone else who isn't Gail Sayers, uh, you know, as much as I love the guy, he's a former Bear and definitely one of the greatest backs to ever play the game. He's a crusty old bastard, okay? He will not give Devin his due. I've heard the guy get asked that question many times, and he's always saying that he's better than Hester ever was, which is, come on, dude, you, you haven't played in 50 years. Give the guy his, his due. He's out here making it happen against these guys right here, right now. But he just, he, he won't do it. He won't do it. And n- none of the interviews that I've heard, anyway, has he given Devin his proper proper do. Anyone you talk to, Bear fan or not, there's no doubt that he's the best ever uh, to do it. Um, and all of us believe that his talent is Hall of Fame worthy. But does the Hall think that? Does the Hall think that being a specialist like Devin was, will he be a guy that enters the Hall of Fame when he should? Or will it be something that happens, you know, 20 Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline years from now when he gets voted in as one of those um oh what are, what's the name of the category but basically it's like an old timers thing you know he's he's out he's outlasted his 15 years of eligibility and he's added on to the to the class uh, on the end you know and um you know will that be when Devin finally gets his due that 20 years from now uh when he's still got a bean or two rolling around in the brain they finally throw him a bone and and toss him in there when he's 70 years old instead of, you know, getting his due seven, five, six, seven years from now, um, you know, when he's still a relatively young man. And uh, you wonder, because I don't think you could, I don't think anybody could argue that he wasn't Hall of Fame worthy, um, that his talent was one of a kind. And, you know, you would game plan for Devin Hester like you wouldn't any other special teamer in the planet. I mean, there were special guys or guys that had a special year or two but none of them had the impact even when Devin wasn't scoring touchdowns he was still the most dangerous person on the team regardless he was the most dangerous person we had on our team from 06 until 2013 um you know when he was with the Bears he was just a talent that that was second to none and you know he did have his day uh, as a receiver and unfortunately um you know it was at a time when he was regarded as our number one receiver as opposed to being a complimentary guy like he was when he went to Atlanta and he's down there with uh, with Julio Jones and um, Roddy White and a Devin Hester. That's the situation you want Devin Hester to be a receiver in. But uh, for whatever reason, when we got Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, um, we didn't quite use Devin the way that I would 
hope that he would be used. Um, you know, with like we got a number one and a number two guy, and you got Devin Hester in the slot. That's a nightmare, or so one would think. But I guess it didn't work out that way. But you know, overall, I, I don't think there's any argument or any arguing that could be made to say that that Hester wasn't wasn't worth it, or you know, isn't going to make it into the Hall of Fame, or that he should make it to the Hall of Fame. But I think it's going to be quite an quite a conversation. Um, to the to the people who actually have the votes about whether or not Devin Hester um, will get in, so it's going to be one of those weird, you know, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other kind of uh, conversations. I bet I'd love to sit in on that debate when it takes place five years from now, when he's eligible to to enter the Hall of Fame. Number one, will they even discuss Devin Hester? Will they classify him merely as a specialist? Will they at all talk about his impact uh, as a receiver or what impact he did have as a receiver or just the impact period? You know, Super Bowl 41, the opening kickoff, he's the one and only person who's ever run a kickback to start an NFL game. Not the first to run a kickback for a touchdown, but the first to do it at the very first moment of the Super Bowl. He's the only person that's ever taken the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. It's never been done before, hasn't been done since. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things. Like, that's the kind of athlete that Devin Hester is. He almost makes you forget Chicago did not win that game. But it's like you go back, the game itself wasn't wasn't great it was marred marred by the by the weather and you know the crappy field that they had to play on because of the severe rain the rain didn't bother Devin Hester though and if you go back and you look at um the 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 highlights of that game they begin and end with Devin Hester running the opening kickoff back for a touchdown the the biggest stage that that sports has to uh has to allow is um is uh you know the Super Bowl and Devin Hester uh was the was the uh the focus of every human being on the planet when he ran the opening kickoff back for a touchdown you know how how casual fans will sometime watch that the Super Bowl is the one game a year that they watch and that's what they got to see was this guy running the opening kickoff back for a touchdown when nobody had ever done that before and in the 11 Super Bowls 10 Super Bowls since nobody's done it again and, um, you know, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine about this last weekend that, um, you know, we, we had that discussion even before Hester officially announced his retirement, which was on Monday or Tuesday of this week that, um, you know, can, can you think of anyone who's ever done it better? Other people have had, you know, a year or two that they strung together like a Joshua Cribs or, a um, a, um, Dante Hall who had a big year or two for, for Kansas City. Um, there are other guys who have had uh, you know good careers as returners, like a Mel Gray uh, or a Eric Metcalf and whatnot, but none of them put a shiver down the spine of every person on the opposite, on the opposite side of the field. You know, and there were guys on the opposite side of the field who were getting up off the bench to stand on the sidelines to see what was going to happen. You know, even though they didn't want to see Hester score against them, they wanted to make sure they saw it if he did. And that's an impact that can't be measured, you know, and, and that's what Devin Hester did the whole time that he was in a bear uniform and the short time that he was with Atlanta, uh, and and whatnot, he was the most exciting player in football, uh, to watch. And he was so, so dangerous his entire career. So put me down for uh, a hall of fame vote for, 
for Devin Hester, bear or not, he's, you know, it's, 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 it's icing on the cake that he's a bear. Believe me, it is awesome to be able to have a discussion where the, the, be this, the, it begins and ends with you, with a guy that played for your team. And uh, that was the only, the only thing cooler than, than being able to witness Devin Hester, uh, do his thing in his time was watching him do it for my team, wearing my team's colors and, uh, you know, putting points on the board and, you know, going crazy for him and being excited every time the bears were going to receive a punt because Devin could blow the game wide open in five seconds. So put me down for uh, a thumbs up and put me down for a vote uh, for Devin Hester to be in the hall of fame. And uh, I will have that discussion as passionately as I would with anybody who tries to tell me Walter Payton, not the greatest player of all time, regardless of position. So um, anyway, real quick, we'll uh, look over the uh, injury report. Uh, the Bears released their game status today because you have to do it 48 hours before um, before the start of the football game. And with the Bears playing on Saturday, that those statuses came out today. The good news is everybody that's on the injury list has been uh, limited in practice, which means everybody is at least practicing. Uh, Adrian Amos, uh, hamstring, Eddie Goldman with the hip injury. Uh, uh, DeAndre Houston Carson uh, with his ankle and Adam Shaheen with the chest injury have all been uh, limited and are all listed as questionable. Now, if you remember Shaheen and when he caught the touchdown pass in the fourth quarter on on Sunday, he was favoring his right arm. It almost looked like it was a uh, I thought maybe a stinger or a shoulder injury of some kind. I guess it was a chest injury because that's what he was favoring and that's what he's been limited in practice with this week. Uh, Pernell McPhee and Kendall Wright were both full participation uh, in practice today. They were limited yesterday on Wednesday, but full go today on Thursday and um, are not listed on the uh, injury report as of, uh, you know, there is no game status, which means they're basically off the injury report. So McPhee's going to play on Sunday or Saturday and uh, Kendall Wright uh, must have been something that happened over the over the weekend or something, but uh, he's good to go to play on Saturday as well. So there's your injury report. We're down to six guys uh, outside of the 38 people that are on injury reserve. And um, that's all I got for you. So we're going to go ahead and, and, and slide right into this interview with our good friend Jeremy Reisman, helping us preview week 15 between the Bears and the Lions. Here we are once again. We got the Bears and the Lions, which means Jeremy Reisman back to help us preview this game between the Bears and the Lions. Probably one of the truest rivalries in uh, the division. Uh, Jeremy, welcome back, my friend. Thanks to thanks for having me. Good to be talking to you again so soon. Yeah, it's only been uh, three weeks this time uh, when we had literally four months between when we talked in the summer and when the Bears and the Lions finally played each other week 11 this year but here we go um you know the first of two matchups on saturday for some reason uh the bears and lions playing on saturday instead of uh getting it done on uh sunday but before we dive into what's coming up this weekend let's take a trip back in time a little bit jeremy to that week 11 matchup between the bears and the lions and i wasn't exactly sally sunshine the last time we talked i was pretty <laughs> pretty pissed off because of the way my team played uh, against the uh, Green Bay Packers. Now, 
we come into this game after doing just about everything we could do wrong and we actually appeared to try to fix it during the game with the Lions. Tariq Cohen was more involved. He was on the field a lot more. He was doing some damage against you guys. We were mixing up formations and not just like, oh, well, there's a fullback and a tight end on the field. The Bears are running. Everybody sees it coming. Boom. Instead, actually, we're, we're running the football out of the shotgun, you know, one-back formations, things like that, mixing it up against the Lions, and it was working. But, you know, as the Bears do or as they have – um, self-inflicted wounds, the fumble, uh, the botch snap between Trubisky and, and Whitehair turns into a fumble that gets you guys back, gets you guys back into the game, and it was pretty much off to the races after that. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. I mean, I I saw it the exact same way. the The only thing I would say is I I wouldn't flatter yourself too much for how well the Bears performed in that game because the Lions defense has made a lot of really bad offenses look very good <laughs> as of late. You know, right right before that game, the Browns ran for over 200 yards on this Lions defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you were talking about it a little bit off air. Um, the Lions-Ravens game, the Ravens have one of the worst offenses in the league, and yeah. and, and the Lions defense made Joe, Lack- Joe Flacco look about 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. It, it, it It's... It's a real conundrum for the Lions right now, and I do think the Bears, you know, they're, they're starting to figure things out on offense at least a little bit. But uh, in terms of that game alone, I, I don't know how much uh, how much faith I really put into the Bears putting in a, game, a good game plan as much as the Lions just completely falling apart on defense, as they have pretty much out of the bye week. <laughs> Well, you I mean we like I said, it, it, things got off to a really great start. We're up ten to nothing on you guys. We have the football back, and then Trubisky fumbles the football or fumbles the snap or, or whatever. Um, who was it? DJ Hayden picks it up, runs it back for a touchdown, and what was ten to nothing is now ten to seven. You guys are right back in this thing. And while the Bears kind of held you off, um, the next thing you know, you guys run off twenty-one points in the in the first in the second quarter. And what was ten to nothing at the at the first quarter is now twenty one to seventeen, and you know it was just a mess uh, from there on out with the Bears trying to figure out how to catch up. And one thing that the Bears have definitely proven that they cannot do is play from behind, really, no matter how much the deficit is. Yeah, and that's unfortunately for Detroit, the one thing they haven't been able to do is get ahead early, <laughs> because. <laughs> Because in that game they were down early against the the Browns the week before they were down early against the Vikings the next week they were down early against the Ravens they were down seventeen nothing the only time that they've gotten ahead I think in this basically out of the bye week was last week when they when they scored a touchdown in their second drive of the game we're up seven nothing and then of course uh, Tampa comes right back and and scores a touchdown themselves so that that was also a short lived early early lead but. Um, it, if the Lions are going to be able to, to win this game, I think that's that's key, another an early start there because, I mean, like you said, the Bears aren't that good of a team from behind. They they like to run and pound the ball, and if you get, get ahead of them real early, they're going to have to rely on Trubisky, and while he's kind of improving at this point, yeah. um, I don't think the, the, the Bears want him throwing it 40 times a game. Well, the, also the problem is the coaching that he has around him. I'm not sure that they know what to do when they're <laughs> playing from And I mean that in all seriousness. I mean, honestly, you know, we, we're not a good football team. We've been playing from behind a lot, a lot of, and a lot of times needlessly. Like, we, we should be doing better than we've been doing. But it's just, you know, we get out there, we get from behind, and all of a sudden they have, they have to abandon their game plan to try to catch up. And it's like 
they don't know what to do when they have to do what you know when it doesn't go according to plan they seem not to be able to you know figure out what's going on but you know talk to me about that um the vikings game that game on thanksgiving i i enjoyed watching that game i was kind of hoping you guys would win believe it or not because i was (laughs) sick of hearing about the greatness of the minnesota vikings and everything it's just you know, uh, was hoping you guys would pull it off, and you, you you fought there for a while, but in the end, Minnesota was just uh, was just too much on on a short week. Yeah, it was a it was a bizarre game because the Lions fell behind in that game twenty to three. Yeah, and and while every Lions fan was you know basically committing fan suicide, they they were done with the team. They were <laughs> you know this season's over. This was our chance to win the division. We just blew it. I was watching the first half, and I was just like. You know what? The Lions are actually playing kind of well. Mm-hmm. They just need to stop making stupid mistakes. They had an early fumble in that game. They gave up a couple big plays. They they struggled in the red zone. I I kind of knew like if they kind of just straighten things out in the second half, they're going to put up a fight here, and that's exactly what ended up happening. But but like you said, I mean the Vikings are a really good team. It wasn't enough. The the strangest thing about that game is that the Lions' run defense finally looked good in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but there was one drive right out of the second half there. The Vikings ran off four straight runs, 75 yards. Wow. The, re- the rest of the game, 38 rushes for about 60 yards. <laughs> and wow. I can't figure, I mean, that's, that just goes to show you what this Lions defense is right now is it, it's really hard to understand it seems like it's very vulnerable on the ground, but then they'll just have these stretches where it's like, oh yeah, this is what this team, this defense used to be about when Haloti Nato was still in the lineup. They could stop the run. Jared Davis is a rookie who was brought in here to become a tackling machine and just, you know, blow up running plays before they got to the third level. But unfortunately, that that stretch of play during the Vikings game when they weren't giving up 75 yards on one drive, um, that's been the the rarity. I mean, they just haven't been able to stop anyone as of late. And that's what makes me really afraid of this upcoming matchup against the bears because Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard are just tearing things up right now. And that's, that's a really bad matchup for the lions. Well, I mean, you know, last week was, was a really good game uh, for the bears. I mean, from top to bottom, it was the first one where I could honestly say that there was no, yeah, but about this win. You know, the Bears pretty much, you know, after they scored the first touchdown of the game, uh, Mike Nugent, our new kicker, doinks the first extra point off the crossbar. (laughs) And it's like we give up a touchdown, but it's like they settled down after that and took over took over the game. What what was a good second quarter turned into a, a better third quarter. And then, you know, they dominated the second half. You know, they scored 27 unanswered after um after Cincinnati scored their touchdown, you know, and and the thing is, they scored 33 points and they should have scored more because those two field goal drives, they could have number one, they did score a touchdown. Tariq Cohen had a had a had one called back due to a penalty, two of them actually. One of them was uh, he stepped out of bounds, and uh, you know he had two touchdowns taken away from him. Uh, one was the the holding penalty, as I just said seven seconds ago, and the other one was Adam Shaheen dropped a touchdown pass. Hit him in the chest. He dropped it. We had to settle for a field goal. So what was twelve to seven in halftime should have been twenty-one to seven uh, against the Bengals. I mean, that's how we were kind of firing on all cylinders. We just weren't closing the deal. And then in the second half, we did. And Howard, a buck forty-seven. Tariq Cohen had eighty. And I think that like his last three one- runs were for losses 
in garbage time. So he probably should have had closer to 90 yards rushing if not for those those bad runs at at the end of uh at the end of the game and they combined for about 230 just the, just the two of them on top of what Trubisky added to the total yeah and I I watched the the condensed version of that game uh just just yesterday and it looked like a completely different offense to me and yeah. and again one that can really exploit the things that this Lions defense is bad at which is recognizing play action you know that it seemed like they really like to bootleg uh, Mitchell Drabisky out there and you know he's got the legs for it play action with these two running backs is going to fool these linebackers on Saturday um, and and one of the things that I looked at this week um, I'm kind of obsessed over football outsiders DVOA mm-hmm. and I decided to pull the numbers of, of the Bears offense before or during the first matchup and where it's at now and considering it's only been three weeks they've moved quite a bit they've moved from 31st to 28th which I know it's only three spots, but in three weeks, that's pretty good. Yeah. And, and that's in pass offense. And run offense, they've moved from 19th to 16th. So mm-hmm. that means, you know, over the past three, four weeks, they've been playing at an above average level at all those, at both of those things, and able to move themselves up from, you know, basically the basement of the league up to, <laughs> while they're still only 28th in pass offense, they're, they're, they're right. obviously still making their way up there. And uh, that's, that's really what scares me. The defense... You know, Bears defense is always going to be pretty good, but Matthew Stafford was was fairly successful in that first matchup. Yeah. You know, he was able to move the ball um, outside of a couple drives there to start the second half pretty much at will. And, and Matthew Stafford is playing his best football right now, I think. So, I'm not that concerned about the matchup when the Lions' offense is on the field, but I just I'm terrified when the Bears' offense is out there because this is a game that the Lions need and the Bears absolutely don't. Right. And and the last thing I want, I, we mentioned this last time I was on here. All I can think about is the Bears playing spoiler with Paul Edinger, and I I don't <laughs> want anything like that to happen. Thankfully, you guys don't have a kicker like Paul Edinger right now, but. No. Uh, Unfortunately, you don't have the same guy that you had in the last match. Right. Yeah, that worked out pretty well for you at the end of the first game. But um, you know, it, it, in going back to that first game real quick was the you know you mentioned Stafford having success throwing the ball. There was that one drive. I don't know if it was the second touchdown drive or the third one, but it's like we had you guys third and fifteen or something like that, and it's like we were putting pressure on Stafford. We just weren't getting to him. And then there was that one play. It was third and 15. Stafford kind of heaves it up there at the very last second, just before he's about to get killed and finds that kid. I think it was Halliday was open. Gall- he gets, yeah, Galladay. Galladay. And it was, he catches the football. Of course, he's just, just outside, you know, just past the first down marker. And then it's like literally this was like from the four-yard line. And then three plays later, you guys are in the end zone. You covered 96 yards in four plays. And boom, just like that, it's twenty-one to seventeen, or seventeen to fourteen, or whatever it was. And it was, you know, Stafford was pretty much on fire at that point, um, you know, in the game. And it was, uh, you know, it just—it's like it was—it was making me nuts because we were doing such a good job bottling him up, and then all of a sudden, one play like that, and the floodgates opened. Yeah, and and big plays from this passing offense is something that that's really been new. Um, with Kenny Galladay, with Marvin Jones. Um, this team has 12 plays of 40-plus yards in, through the air, mm. and that's second most in the league. So um, Kenny Galladay, I think, has four of those. Marvin Jones, I think, has four of those. Um, I think the rest are split between Golden Tate and, and, and some running backs. But um, that's one thing that the Lions team really has a threat of now because 
when Jim Bob Cooter first took over as offensive coordinator, he was kind of more of a dink and dunk guy where he was just teaching Stafford to take what he can get. Um, don't take a lot of chances. Um, and maybe part of that was personnel. You know, Marvin Jones isn't a guy who's going to get wide open and, and just, you know, Stafford's going to find him with no receivers within 10 yards of him. He's a guy that you're going to have to throw into tight quarters and he's usually going to be the one to take down the ball. But Kenny Galladay has really been the guy, um, the big splash play guy, and he can break open. He's a very athletic guy. He's still kind of learning route running a little bit in the NFL, but he has, I think, a, at least a 30 yard catch in five or six of his last uh, five out of six of his last game. So he's really a, a deep threat. And unfortunately they really only throw to him two or three times a game, but if they find him open deep, they're going to connect and, and, you know, they can really frustrate a defense that seemed like they were holding a team down uh, with those big plays. Yeah. And the, um, the other thing that I was uh, thinking about was, you know, there was some time and it was, it was frustrating to me because it's something you guys weren't really good at is that you guys were, were kind of running the ball on the bears uh, a bit uh, in that game, but did it in spurts. Like you would, mm-hmm. like we, we, we'd shut you down one yard here, nothing there. And then, you know, like, Oh, we forgot. And we give up seven or eight yards on the next run to help out, you know, to make it a short yardage situation and make things easier for you. Is that anything that's been happening in the last few weeks since the last time we met? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> the, the running game has been God awful. I don't think they've matched their total of 65 yards in that game since wow. if they have not by much. Um, this is a God awful running game. And, and you, you mentioned those, you know, zero one yard plays. That's, that's what this offense is. The, the running game um, has just been awful. And I believe they're, if they're not the worst, they're one of the worst teams in terms of percentage of rushes that go for zero or less yards. Wow. Um, this, this is a real problem. And, you know, the lines might be getting a little bit of a uh, little bit of boost this week because it sounds like Amir Abdullah is going to be back. He's missed the past two weeks um, with a, with a neck injury. Um, although the, there were some rumors that last week he could have gone. In fact, he said he thought he could have gone, but the lines essentially benched him. Um, he was inactive in that game. Um, Caldwell kind of said something different. He said that it was he was still kind of working through an injury. Um, but Ian Rappaport was actually the first one to report this. And then Amir Abdullah kind of corroborated it by saying he thought he was ready to go. But Jim Caldwell said, no, you're inactive. So either way, um, the Lions haven't had any guy step up in his absence. Amir Abdullah is averaging, I think, 3.4 yards per carry. And he's essentially the leading rusher in terms of that. Yeah. Um, it's just been a disaster. No matter who they put back there, nothing seems to work. And a lot of Lions fans are, are ready to move on from Amir Abdullah. Don't count me as one of those because I think this front five has just been blocking atrociously. And even better news, three of our starting offensive linemen have yet to practice this week oh. uh, in the first two three practices. The center is out with a concussion. He probably won't go Travis Swanson. Um Right guard, TJ Lang, he's dealing with a foot injury. I think he's more probable to play. Um, he missed the past two practices last week and ended up playing anyways. And then you got Rick Wagner, uh, the right tackle, who uh, probably won't play. He's He set out five practices in a row, missed last week. I would assume he's going to miss this week too. So that means the Lions are going to be down at least two of their starting five uh, on the right side there. And 
I don't expect any sort of success, even against, you know, a, a Bears offense that may have looked a little bit vulnerable, you know, doesn't quite have everyone healthy anymore with, uh, I can't think, the defensive end name who's on IR, what's his name, Leonard Floyd. Yeah, I was like, which one? There's a few of them. Uh, <laughs> Leonard Floyd is out. Willie Young is out. Um, You know, the list goes on and on, man. So, I mean, uh, Eddie Goldman missed last week's game with a hip injury. So I don't know what the practice status is yet for him or or anything like that. I mean, I know they started – I think they had Monday off and they started practice yesterday as opposed to having – usually when you win, you get Monday and Tuesday off, but we're playing a day sooner. So I think they only got Monday off and they are back at practice yesterday. So I haven't been – keeping up with the uh, injury report. I just know that Goldman wasn't good enough to go against the, uh, against the Bengals uh, on Sunday. And, um, you know, Leonard Floyd is out there. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's musical chair. Like we brought Lamar Houston back. That's how bad it was. I mean, a guy that wasn't good enough to make the team, we let him go. He goes and bangs around in Houston for a few weeks. And then, you know, we we had to sign him back. He was available. We needed an outside linebacker. Boom, Lamar Houston is back wearing his old number like he never left. So, you know, it's it's definitely a situation as far as our outside linebackers are concerned. McPhee didn't play last week because of a shoulder uh, injury. So somehow we pulled that off against the Bengals without our top three or four outside linebackers playing uh, against the Bengals, which I guess makes that a bit more impressive. We only held them to seven points. Um, right. So, but what what do you think? I mean, just historically – because whenever I think about the Lions and, and their success and, and uh, you know, when they've had good football teams, I always think about that 2011 team and mm-hmm. how they could, you know, score points. Like, like, you know, they could break the clock on teams sometimes. But when they got in the playoffs, they really didn't stand a chance if they ran into anybody who could, uh, you know, slow the game down or, or anything like that because they had – they had no running game. If, uh, you know, they could throw it to Calvin Johnson a thousand times, and that year they were successful in doing so. But when it came to the playoffs and time to run the football uh, and everything, it just uh, it just ended up being a disaster for them. And that's kind of been the tale of the tape since Stafford came to Detroit. It's like you haven't had a running game to back up what he could do through the passing game. I mean, if you guys could ever get that figured out, the Lions would be a hell of a team to deal with. Yeah. And and everyone seems to know it both inside and outside the organization, and yet it can't. They can't seem to get it done. And it's not like they haven't spent resources on it. I mean, they've spent a ton of money, a ton of draft picks on this offensive line. It's basically filled on the left side with high draft picks. You know, Taylor Decker, first rounder last year. Um, Graham Glasgow, third rounder last year. Travis Swanson, I believe, was a second or third rounder. And then the right side. They spend a ton on in free agency. You know, they, right. they outbid the the Seahawks and the Packers for TJ Lang. They spent a ton of ma- money on Rick Wagner, the yeah, right you, tackle. Yeah, outbid the Bears on Rick Wagner. We were in that's right. Yeah. yeah, and and it just has. I mean, there's been a lot of injuries this year, but that's that's hardly an excuse because they shouldn't be as bad as they are playing. And and some people are are blaming the running backs, but. I, I, if if you watch this team close enough, the, these guys are getting hit in the backfield. There's there's nothing that any any rusher could do. You know, Ezekiel Elliott would run for 3.5 yards per carry <laughs> behind this offensive line right now. So it, it's it's frustrating. Um, that it's it, it's interesting you mentioned mentioned the 2011 team because I think they rushed for f- over four yards per carry that year. That was just like a wild ride because that that was also the first year in over a decade the line 
Bruins made the playoffs, and we, like, no Lions fans knew what to do with themselves. They were putting up a ton of points. Matthew Stafford's probably best statistically year. I think he threw for 40 touchdowns that year, uh, and it was just like a wild ride, and then we ran into the only other team that could basically outscore us in, right. in the New Orleans Saints in the in the playoffs, and, and they kind of put it on us, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say that was probably the best team I've seen the Lions have in the past couple decades, or, or maybe even the 2014 team, where yeah, the identity, yeah, that 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 identity honestly had nothing to do with the offense. That was when Jim Caldwell kind of reined Stafford in. He was like, you know what, you're not going to be the gunslinger anymore. You're going to be the short pass guy who's just not going to throw interceptions. That's going to be your identity, and we're going to let Damakin Sue and Nick Fairley dominate the other team into submission. And that worked. I mean, they were eleven and five that year, and a bad pass interference away, fast, yeah. bad pass interference call away from uh, from beating the Cowboys in the first round, and that would have been their first playoff win in since nineteen ninety two. I want to say nineteen ninety one. Yeah, Barry Sanders. Uh, uh, yeah, the beating the beating the Cowboys in the dome. That was ninety the ninety one season. So probably January of ninety two, maybe. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. So. But I mean, is it? Do you think it's more of a, is it a scheme thing? I mean, because you know, because for them to to be as inefficient at times, it's it just like. But I mean, through different coaching staffs and stuff. I mean, it's almost like Barry Sanders cursed you guys when he retired earlier or something like that. You really have not that you know there could ever be another Barry Sanders, but to even have you know say you know like to talk in Bears terms, you can never have another Walter Payton. But we've had a Neil Anderson, we had a Matt Forte, we've got a Jordan Howard. There hasn't yeah. been a Jordan Howard or a, you know a Matt Forte since Barry Sanders retired for the for the Lions. There hasn't been that that running back that was like, yeah, when they give this guy the ball, watch out. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people thought they may have had that in Job at best, but unfortunately, concussions kind of shortened his career. Hmm. Um, a lot of people thought it might be Amir Abdullah, and I I still have a little bit of hopes from him because I know the second that he goes somewhere else, like if he were to go to the Eagles right now. He'd be averaging six yards a carry. Yeah. I, I really truly believe he would he would thrive in a better environment. And and to your question about coaching, I I have to point that in that direction. You look at a guy like Jim Caldwell specifically, and horrible running games has followed him around in his career. When he took off, uh, when he t- took up offensive coordinator duties for the Ravens and started calling plays, that's when Ray Rice's career you know started falling apart before, you know the off field stuff. Right. Um, the Colts, you know, when he was with, with there with Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning never had a running game. Like Edger and James was okay, but he he essentially put all of all of the the weight on Peyton Manning for those offenses, and and that's what's happened in Detroit. And I don't know whether to blame him. I mean, he's obviously not the one calling plays on offense. It's 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 Jim Bob Cooter, and Jim Bob Cooter said this often this off season that the running game was his primary focus. It's something that he said kept him up at night in the offseason because it was so bad last year. It's worse this year. It is statistically <laughs> worse. And and while you can blame running backs and, and offensive line injuries all you want, good coaches make the best out of a bad situation and and they just haven't been doing that. And I don't I don't have any specific thing to point to that they're doing wrong. Um some people blame predictability, you know, they almost run out of the the pistol like 80 or 90 percent of the time i get that but 
you know, good running teams can be predictable and still be successful on the ground. I, I truly believe that. And and the worst part of this running offense is their short yardage situations. Mm. They are by far the worst power running team in, in the NFL. Um, Football Outsiders has this stat called power running efficiency, and it's basically third or fourth and two or less or goal goal line situations from the two yard or less. The Lions are converting on those kind of plays 39% of the time. Mm. The league average, 63% of the time. <laughs> that is So just a little insane. bit better than half the league average. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Not much. Just a little bit better than the league average. That's crazy. Yeah. And and the Lions don't really have a power back, per se, and that, that certainly has something to do with it. But... They they had two situations like this last week, and both times they pitched the ball to the outside with what can only be defined as a power runner for the Lions, which is these two guys, Zach Zenner and this rookie Tion Green, who who are bigger than Amir Abdullah and Tion Green or uh, Amir Abdullah and Theoretic, but certainly you know they aren't speedy. They aren't guys that really should be kicking it to the outside. If you're gonna actually play them, which I don't really think they should be playing either. Those guys, you just run them straight ahead. And I know that's not the Lions' forte either. But when it's third and one and third and two, you have to win those matchups. And the Lions just aren't. And they're desperately trying everything they can, and nothing is sticking. And it's the most frustrating thing to watch with this team this year. Well, if you want to talk consistent or um, uh, frustration, um, then look no further than the Chicago Bears because the pessimist in me um, has no doubt whatsoever. None. What's, I mean, I've already, you know, I don't know if you've ever listened to my show and I dole out my, uh, my, uh, my game balls, if you will. It's mm-hmm. a segment I called Bear Up and Bear Down. So thumbs up, thumbs down basically is what that is. And I've already preemptively given Dole Loggins a thumb down for this game because I, the, like I said, the pessimist in me has no doubt whatsoever that he will abandon everything that was successful against Cincinnati and try to do something different than, you know, like to also, you know, Tariq Cohen was, was a force. He was a factor in this game against Cincinnati. He'll be a ghost on Saturday. Trubisky <laughs> threw 30-something passes against Detroit. He'll throw for 12 for some reason against the, you know, against the Lions. I mean, it, they're consistently inconsistent you know the the even though we managed to win back-to-back games against Carolina and Baltimore those two games couldn't have been any more different with the way that they turned out the only thing that was similar was the defense kicked ass and scored points on their own the the other ones were you know we scored 20 something points on offense against the Ravens and we scored three against the Panthers if not for the heroics of Eddie Jackson who knows how that game turns out it's a 3-3 nail biter in the fourth quarter if if Eddie Jackson doesn't score those two touchdowns so you know i know that you that you know that your heart starts racing when you think about having to try to stop Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen as a pessimistic Bear fan, I would say not to be too worried about it because knowing <laughs> Dole Loggins, he'll find a way to screw that up. So he will. You know, he'll have the Lions. You know, I mean, basically, we've set you guys up to kill you at play action all day long with the way we ran the ball against Cincinnati. We will find a way to make that not true uh, on Sunday. So that's, that's the glass half empty side of me talking about that. The glass half full is that I hope you guys are ready to defend the play action, or I hope that we have somebody who can beat you deep when we, when, you know, when we fake you out with the play action. I hope we have something set up for that because you know we we could pretty much kill you guys with it. But 
I don't know. I don't know if, if Loggins is smart enough to pull it off. I honestly don't. So, I mean, and that's why the guy's basically got his office packed and he's making plans for where he's going to be coaching next year because of the way that they've been this year in reasons like that. Maybe, maybe that's the push they needed, though. Maybe they realized, like, these last three games, they're coaching for their jobs, so they need to put some good tape out there. And maybe that's where the innovation, that's where the, the kick to finally be a little innovative, be a little smarter kicked in. Well, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. Um, and to tell you the truth, I hope it doesn't save them in Chicago. <laughs> I hope it helps them find work elsewhere. I really do, because it's just time to do something else in Chicago. Right. The John Fox thing, the experiment failed miserably. I mean, the guy, the, the, his victory last week against Cincinnati tied him for wins with Mark Tressman. Mark Tressman won 13 games in two years. It took John Fox almost three full seasons to win that many games. So, I mean, it's obvious that the, the, you know, the game has passed John Fox by, or at least the organization that he's with doesn't match up well with him. And I'm hoping that it doesn't save them uh, going forward. But, you know, after losing the game against San Francisco, which was in, and not so much because San Francisco was a one in 10 team, but just because the bears did, so many things right in that game and still managed to lose the football game. We became the first team in NFL history to score a special teams touchdown, not allow a touchdown, and win the turnover battle to lose the game. The first team in history to do that. You know, that's basically A, B, and C on how to win football games, and we lost. We did all of those things, and we lost. So... You know, it probably, it's, it's it's a mess. So, you know, it probably didn't feel good watching Robbie Gold kick the, the game winner either. huh? You know what? Everybody talks like that and everybody says, well, we should have never let him go. It's like, do you guys remember what Gold was like and why we let him go? Robbie Gold was counter Barth before we let him go. <laughs> You yeah. know, I mean, think about San, I mean, talk about the San Francisco game. There was a game in 2015 against the 49ers that got under my skin so bad I didn't stop talking about it for a year until we <laughs> played San Francisco the following year and we beat them. I didn't stop talking about that game because, as I famously said a million times during that offseason, the Bears made six mistakes in that football game if they don't make one of them. You know, if we only make five mistakes instead of six, we win that game in regulation easily and two of those mistakes were Robbie Gold field goal misses he missed one early in the game and he missed one that would have won it at the end of regulation he missed it okay it's like you can't you can't fault the 49ers for winning it in overtime the guy threw a 70 yard touchdown pass they beat us straight up in overtime but it should have never gotten there and that game bugged me for a whole year and then you know Robbie Gold comes back at the beginning of 2016 in the preseason. He's missing extra points. He's doinking field goals, and it's like everybody just flipped out when we cut him. The only thing that upset me was that we didn't have anybody in camp competing with him. Like right. maybe that would have kind of given him a kick in the pants to you know to shape up, or he's going to get shipped out when your replacement's there with you every single day. You know maybe that would have fixed him. But you know he says it was the best thing that happened for him. He was 10 for 10 when he kicked for the Giants last year, and he's made all but two field goals so far this year in San Francisco. So, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't fun watching him beat us, but at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, good for him. 
You know, yeah. it's like, you know, it's like he was great for us until he wasn't. And then he was, you know, bad enough that, it, that we that we got it into our heads. We had to move on. And I really couldn't argue with the move when the Bears made it. Right. Obviously, in hindsight, it looks like a bad move because he's back to his old self again. And he he beat us by himself two weeks ago. So, you know, but it's just, you know, it's funny how some people have those those revisionist memories they forget about why we cut him in the first place and all they remember is hey he was great for us now he beat us so we made a mistake and uh, we didn't make a mistake cutting Robbie Gold I think the mistake was not having competition for him in camp in 2016 maybe he would have had to turn around then we'll never know that's fair that's fair and you you guys just you guys weren't as lucky as the Lions because you guys are going through something similar that the Lions went through and I think it was it was either 2014 or 2015 where the Lions were just scrambling to find a kicker. They drafted one, didn't work out. They got a guy off free agency, didn't work out. And then somehow Matt Prater just kind of falls into their lap just because of timing. That, you know, he just got off of his suspension in Denver. Denver had the guy that they wanted now. There was Matt Prater just sitting for the Lions, and, and he's been amazing for them since. Yeah, it took you guys a while to, re- to replace Hanson, didn't it? Yeah, it took us about a year and a half. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's not too bad, all things considered. That's yeah. that's almost Packers quarterback worthy. We're just <laughs> there's there's barely a transition time between. I mean, obviously, uh, Jason Hansen is probably not going to be a Hall of Famer, although Lions fans would argue he deserves it. Uh, but but basically, I, that that's that's what Lions fans can hold their hat to. They went from one great great kicker to you know, almost immediately one of, one of the best modern kickers right now. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, before we, uh, before we wrap this up, you know, I, I alluded to it when we were talking before, um, the, 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 the final drive in the game for the bears, you know, we're marching down the field. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to tie the game, right? Yeah. We're trying to tie it and it's fourth and 11, and Trubisky, you know, is back to throw, and and as usual, uh, you know, bear fan, our bear receivers can't get themselves open, or at least the, when they need them to get open, they're not open. Trubisky's running, he's running, he's running, and then he finally decides it. I'm going, and it looks like about two, at least two times on that play, it looked like you had him, but he somehow dinks and dunks and jukes his way to get like 19 yards on fourth and 11. I had a heart attack during that play. You know, what was your impression of Trubisky on that final drive to get the Bears into field goal range? I don't think I had a point of view focusing on Trubisky at the time. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. fair. I I was livid. I was, okay, here it is. This is the Chicago Bears ruining our season once again. Stupid (laughs) things happen on Soldier Field. And the worst part about it was this was was Cornelius Washington's – first game against the bears yeah since since leaving the the play before he had picked up a half sack so it was a huge play he's feeling great and i'm pretty sure cornelius washington had the best shot at taking trubisky down about six or seven yards before getting a first down and somehow trubisky just kind of like shakes it off like like he's jordan howard essentially yeah he was like and, lasered in on getting that first down and it's like he like he didn't even see the defenders he just saw the first down and he ran after it that's that's what impressed me the most about it was that you know it seemed like he had his eyes downfield like he was going to throw the ball the whole time mm-hmm. when really he was just looking at where he was going to be when the play was over yeah and it 
it was infuriating. And, and of course I thought the game was over at that point. Like I knew all the bears needed was a field goal to tie it, but I'm like, well, okay, of course they're going to tie it and they'll probably score on the first drive of overtime because this defense can't stop anything, including a fourth and friggin' 13. Uh, <laughs> but, but obviously the lines lucked out there at the end. Um, and, and I've been saying this from the get go. I think Trubisky is a, an extremely talented guy. And the fact that he's mobile is only going to give this defense more trouble, not only this year, but going down, um, you know, the history of this team, it, it he's, he's going to be a really good leader for this bears team. And he can, I mean, besides running the ball with his legs, he's phenomenal at throwing the ball while on the run. Yeah. He's one of the most accurate passers I've seen do that this year. And, and that makes him extremely dangerous. It makes him, you know, I, I, I hate to even make this comparison, but it makes him Aaron Rodgers esque It really does. It does. And yeah. the last, th- the last thing this friggin' division needs is to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. And especially with the great news that he's coming back this weekend against Carolina. Oh, yeah. So you guys have him to look forward to in a couple of weeks, uh, week 17, when, uh, if things go your way, you're going to be playing for that final playoff spot. And, uh, you know, of course, Aaron Rodgers will come in and ruin the season like he did for us back in uh, 2013 when we thought we had gotten rid of the Aaron Rodgers problem there for a while. He came back just in time to uh, to ruin the season and look like Captain America again. So, uh, you know, that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. Oh, yeah, because the, the last two times Aaron Rodgers has been in Ford Field have been really, really fun because yeah. one ended one ended in a Hail Mary. The under the other ended in uh, the the Lions missing out on their only chance to win the division in, in 20 years. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that news. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, when we talk about Trubisky, um, you know, th- it hasn't been the best rookie season for him, but it was like, you know, I probably talked to you about this before. I know I've mentioned it a thousand times on my show is that, you know, the reason that I didn't want Trubisky in the first place, or actually a quarterback in general, I thought if we had to have one, he was the one that I wanted, strangely enough. I didn't want Deshaun Watson. I wanted Trubisky. I, for some reason, I just had a feeling about him. But, you know, we didn't have the supporting cast. We still don't, quite frankly. I mean, we're using those guys better than we've been using them before, but the, the, the supporting cast still isn't there. But he's shown flashes. There was a throw he, he made against... The Ravens that set up the field goal that, that won the game in overtime, that run in Detroit, and then actually the following play to where he hit Dontrell Inman that put us in field goal range, you know, him making that throw in that situation. You see flashes like that, and that's where you get the feeling like, if we could get this guy some help, we could be in a really good spot going forward with him. Yeah. And I, from an outsider's perspective, that's really how I see it too. I mean, your your best receiver right now is is it is it in Ingman or is it uh well uh, it was the I funny mean, thing. I know Kendall Wright had a huge game last week. Yeah, so. he did. And the funny thing was, I I'd uh, you know kind of pissed and moaned about about Inman against Cincinnati because number one, he didn't catch a ball against Cincinnati, and mm-hmm. the best of my recollection, he wasn't even targeted because Trubisky only had seven incomplete passes and thirty two attempts. I don't think he threw one to Dontrell Inman, and I can only remember visually seeing him on the field once all day. And it turns out, when, when they looked at the snap breakdown, he was on the field for 88% of the offensive plays on Sunday. And I had a guy tweet to me, it's like, I think they were using Inman as a, as a decoy because they know Trubisky likes him and that Trubisky likes to throw it to him. The only touchdown pass he had last week against the 49ers was to Inman. He does like Dontrell Inman. They get, you know, they've been going back and forth pretty well. And I would have to agree with that because Kendall Wright was, was uh, I think that one of the stats was he was covered by six or seven different defenders, 
You know, so it's like Cincinnati was trying to find the right matchup and they could not find it. Okay, he was targeted 12 times, caught 10 balls for 107 yards against the Bengals. And I'm thinking that maybe Inman was was being used as a decoy to get Kendall Wright open and it worked like a charm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I hope that we see more of Dontrell Inman. And if if Dole Loggins was actually smart enough to do it the way that we're speculating, then good for him. But that would be the first. So, you know. (laughs) It honestly would be the first time. So, I mean, that's why, like I said, the, the glass half empty guy says that uh, our offense is not going to look like that on Saturday just because Dole Loggins can't pull it off two weeks in a row. <laughs> so. Well, I want to I hear more from, from glass half empty guy. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, it's in Detroit. When's the last time the Bears won in Detroit? I think 2012. Lovey's last game as head coach was the last time we won uh, yeah. in Detroit because since then you guys are, what, eight and – Eight, eight of the last one. nine. Yeah, eight yeah. of the last nine. I mean, granted, they've all been down-to-the-wire nail-biter finishes, but, right. you know, you guys have won almost every time. So, um, you know, the odds are not in our favor. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> and there's also, the, you know, you're, you'll love this. My, my listeners won't, but you will. Uh, there's almost – there's a little bit inside me that kind of wants us to lose the game and that has nothing to do with draft choices i'll tell you that right off the bat it's more out of spite to john fox because (laughs) the guy in 16 division games is 3 and 13 so far he's 0 and 4 in the division so far this year and the pessimist half empty glass half empty guy would like him to go winless just to ensure his exit right so you know that's that's the only way that I would kind of sort of be, you know, in even in the slightest sense, you know, not bothered by losing to Detroit yet again on Saturday if it basically sealed John Fox's fate. I mean, not that a 4-9 and nine season wouldn't, but, you know, an 0-6 outing in the division when you've only won three games in the previous two years, how can you keep a guy like that on? Do you, I get the sense from most Bears fans it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone, no? Is that not I do, as solid but... as the Ferris? I mean, it's. I believe it is, and most of us do uh, as well. Uh, there's a lot of chatter about how you know Ryan Pace hasn't let John Fox go and given the interim job to the Vic Fangio because the people that are on his list, Fangio's not one of them. So it's like, why would you audition a guy you know you're not going to interview or hire or anything like that? It's like him knowing outside of the organization who he's interested in interviewing you know, says a lot about what his future plans are. But you never know. With the way we played against Cincinnati, if we beat you and, you know, even Minnesota, even though we'll probably be beating a team that's resting for the playoffs, if we beat them, and God knows we had better beat Cleveland on Christmas <laughs> Eve. But, you know, it's like all four of these games, starting with last week against Cincinnati, um, against you, uh, we got Cleveland next week, and then we got a Minnesota team that will most likely be hanging them up for the for the playoffs makes all four of those games winnable. You know, mm-hmm. we, we were in a position to win or to tie to send it to overtime against you guys three weeks ago. You know, we beat Cincinnati last week. You know, Cleveland obviously is a just a team full of issues. I don't know what the hell's going on with those guys. And then, you know, Minnesota, you know, if he finishes on four straight and we show improvement, the McCaskies are dumb enough to double down for one more season. It's just <laughs> you know, I think that's that's where it comes in that, that we think it's a foregone conclusion because how could it not be? Well, that's how it could not be. You know, we want to yeah. keep 
with keep things stable. You know, Trubisky's going to stay in the same offense with the same offensive coordinator. This is a good thing, guys, and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, that's how they could flip it on us and, and make next year the worst year of our lives. You know, a lot of that sounds similar to where the Lions are at, too, because a lot of people are, are just fed up with the mediocrity with this team right now. They, they're, they've hung around, you know, 9-7, and 10-6, Seven and nine for the past three or four years under under Caldwell, and a lot of people don't want the Lions to to make this you know in, improbable playoff run. You know they have to win out essentially, and they they need a little help even after that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are saying if even if he wins two of the next three, that you know the Lions get to nine and seven, first time they've had back to back winning seasons in almost twenty years, I think maybe even more than twenty years, and and people don't want that. Well, people are done with Caldwell for the most part in Detroit right now, and I'm not quite there yet. I I am frustrated with what seems like plateauing in Detroit. Right. You know, they they still haven't won that playoff game, which is something that has just like plagued this fan base for so long. There's so many people who weren't even born yet that are fans of this team the last time they won a playoff game, and I get it. I get the frustration, and I I want I want to believe that there's just another Sean McVay around the corner mm. that will immediately take this team from Jeff Fisher levels to, you know, playoff contender, division winner. You know, this team still hasn't ever won the North. <laughs> but but I'm also, like, I can also recognize, like, how far this team has come. You haven't, won the, want... North, you haven't won the North since it's been the North? That's correct. Wow, okay. Yeah. Well, when's the last time you won the division? I want to say it was 93. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I guess it's been kind of skewed with, you know, the, 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 the random playoff appearances. But, uh, you know, it's like, wow. they. So you're the only team that hasn't won the North. That's correct. Yep. Wow. I didn't, last I didn't, time. Oh, I didn't. no, the last time was that 91 season where they won the playoff game. That was the last time they won the division. Yeah, that was a bittersweet year for me. Oh, no, it was because... 93. 93, 93, sorry. Was it 93? Okay. It was 93, yeah. How old are you? I'm um, 31. 31. Okay, so you were how old in 91? Six. Six. Okay, so you probably, I don't know, maybe you would remember this or maybe you would have seen NFL films of it, but the Bears and the Lions were tied for the division lead going into the last week of the season in 91. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Lions won their game, and the Bears played the last game of the season on Monday night against the 49ers. And if the Bears win, they win the division, they get the bye week uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And... The 49ers, who were not going to the playoffs that year, that was the year they, that Atlanta won the NFC West and went to the playoffs, and you know when the first year they wore all black and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, at halftime, I think the 49ers were up like 31 to nothing on the Bears. They weren't going to the playoffs, and they beat the piss out of Chicago. I think it was if the Bears scored, it was 41 to 10, but I think they shut us out like 41. 44 to nothing. It was ridiculous. I mean, I think there was even a play. We were at the goal line and our running back went to try to dive over the top. He got clipped and he got hit so hard on his bottom half. He flipped over and fumbled the ball. The the Niners ran it back 99 yards for, for a touchdown. That's the kind of night it was. And at halftime, Wayne Fonts, I sure you know and adore that name, was uh-huh. smoking a cigar at halftime. <laughs> Because they were, he was someplace watching the game in public, and when the Bears are down thirty-one to nothing at halftime, Wayne Fonts is smoking a cigar because, hey, we're division champs, so we we got the bye week, you know, we got an easy week for us. So yeah, ninety-one, 
That one sucked, and that was the that was the the that was the knife being twisted in right there with Wayne Fonts, you know, smoking the cigar. If the because they if if the Bears win, then they're both twelve and four, but the Bears had the head to head advantage or something like that uh, that right. year. But instead, they were twelve and four. The Bears were eleven and five. We had to play the Cowboys in the wild card round, and they beat us. And then you therefore went ahead and handed them their asses, and Barry Sanders being Superman uh, in that game. So, yeah. but uh, I, I actually yeah. have that game pulled up. Uh, it was it was fifty two to fourteen. Not the, not to twist the knife further, but was yeah, it really yeah. that much? Oh Jesus Christ! Fifty two to fourteen. Yeah. yeah, I just know at, at one point, like at halftime, it was like thirty one to nothing uh, yeah. or something like that. I mean, it was just over at halftime. And Wayne Fonts, they're interviewing him via satellite. You know how they used to do back uh-huh. in the day, and he's smoking, puffing on a cigar. <laughs> You know, in the sports bar or whatever that he's in, because he was in public. There were fans yeah. surrounding him and everything. He's just puffing on a cigar, celebrating their division win because it's in the bag. They're not going to beat the Forty ers They're up thirty-one to nothing at halftime. So, I remember that very, very distinctly. Like just watching the season melt away before my very eyes because we got our asses kicked by the Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend when we could have had the week off if we'd have beaten the not going to the playoffs for the first time in a decade Forty ers So. You know, I think it was even the one where uh, 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 Bill Walsh threw Montana uh, a bone because he was still recovering from that elbow thing when Leonard Marshall had killed him in the NFC title game back in the 1990 season. And Steve Young had been the quarterback all year, and with the season over with, he let Montana start, and he ends up beating the Bears. So <laughs> the things you remember when you try. So. Right. This, this, both our teams have such a, a wonderful history, don't they? It does. I think that's why you and I get along so much because we're <laughs> we're fellow sufferers when it comes to this kind of thing. Not so much as like we've also, you know, we keep losing at the hands of of uh, Green Bay when it matters. I mean, uh, you know, it's like we seem to be pretty good at beating Green Bay when it doesn't matter, but when it matters, Green Bay only seems to stick it to us uh, one way or the other. And uh, you know, I think maybe that's why we, we're kindred spirits in that regard. Uh, Jeremy, and that's why I enjoy having you on the show. Yeah, yeah. So I think we can we can form a support group if, at the end yeah, of this year. We if, probably if, could. If, if Aaron Rodgers knocks us out of the playoffs in Week 17, I'm going to need it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, what are you looking forward to on 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 Saturday? I mean, I know that um, you know you, you. I saw some of your tweets earlier today. You're kind of glass half empty going into this because um, you you something about. 29% of fans still think they can make the playoffs and there was like 14% don't want them to or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it was more a, I was more hating on the fan base cause I like to hate on our own fan base cause I think they can be annoying at times. Sure. But it, it's some, it said something like, I want to say 25% of fans just wanted the season to end <laughs> while, while only 15% thought that they could make the playoffs. And I'm just like, guys, do you remember how miserable the off season is and how much we hate not having football in our lives? Yeah. Even even if we were Bears fans right now, I want I don't want this season to end. Yeah. I don't I don't want to turn the page. I don't want nine months of, of footballless life. Right. I want to watch this team play. It's fun. Yeah. I don't care if, if they're winning quote unquote meaningless games against the Buccaneers. They won. That's 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 a good Sunday. Well, I mean, I spent the first 10 minutes of my show on Monday, which is a victory Monday, which is supposed to be happy, especially since we hadn't won a game in seven weeks. Right. But I spent the first 10 minutes of that show berating my, my, you know, my listeners. If you were someone 
who was wanting the Bears to lose so we could draft at four instead of seven in the first round uh, next year. You know, it's like it's not about draft position. It's like that game was about everything that, you know, the game was about how Trubisky went 25 of 32. It was about how we finally got Adam Shaheen more involved in the offense. We got Tariq Cohen back in the mix. Jordan Howard ran for nearly a buck 50 and two touchdowns. It was about Eddie Jackson continuing to do things. He had an interception. He forced the fumble on A.J. Green uh, towards, you know, on their best drive in the second half. He ends it with it. We forced fumble, picks it up and, you know, gets it back for the for the Bears. It's about the progress that we need to be making with those right. guys at this time of year. And you're pissed off because now we're we're drafting number eight according to Todd McShay, where we would have been five if we'd have lost again. So it's like that makes no sense to me. To sit here and openly wish for your team to lose is just so stupid, uh, in my opinion. And it just goes against everything that I believe, you know, as a fan. I'm a thousand percent in in the same boat, especially when you're arguing over something as petty as, you know, three or four draft pick positions. And I know towards the top of the draft, sometimes that can be big. But if you have a top 10 pick in in an NFL draft, you better be getting someone good. And it doesn't matter whether it's at number four or number eight. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, I mean, plus the, the, the rumor is the Bears are in love with Calvin Ridley and Mm -hmm. the, you know, the draft experts don't think that Calvin Ridley is a top 10 guy. Well, maybe if the Bears win a game or two, we're picking at 11 instead of 7, then Calvin Ridley being picked at 11 isn't quite the stretch it would be if we're picking him at 6 or something like that. So, I mean, there's there's other ways uh, of looking at it. And not that the the last wide receiver we picked at number 7 didn't work out that great. So I don't know why we would want to, you know, get a higher pick just so we could look like a bigger mistake. So, you know, it's like, let's let the Bears do what they're going to do. They're going to win or they're going to lose these last three games, and then we'll worry about the draft position when the offseason comes. It's like right now I'm just worried about seeing progress on the field and that translating to W, I'm okay with that. And if you're not where you want to be in the draft, just move up one spot and trade all your future draft there picks you go. like you did last Absolutely. year. Absolutely. We'll give away those valuable <laughs> third-round picks so we can go from 9 to 8 and take this guy that nobody's ever heard of before. That's exactly what we'll do. Thank you for that, Jeremy. I appreciate that one last dig on your way out the door, man. I appreciate that. So I had to get it in there. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, always fun having you on um, and uh, look forward to uh, whenever it is we can get back together since we're done with you now. Um, no more Lions games uh, in 2017. And, uh, you know, like I said, always fun having you on. And, uh, you know, uh, where else can we find you online? Uh, basically everything on Pride of Detroit. My name is almost attached to everything to that website, right. so so check out everything there. I'm going to have a preview of the game where I haven't quite decided on my pick yet, but I, I probably am leaning Chicago right now. I'm, I'm not I'm wow. not committed to that, but uh, you can check that out on Friday morning. It'll be posted at 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, catch me on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. I usually run that, or if you want to hear me ramble about politics and other stuff, which I'm sure you all just said, nope, no thank you. Uh, <laughs> at at Detroit on the Lion. Right. And also, are you, are, are you a member of the ill-named uh, POD cast? I am. Yes, ah, that's right. Yes. We, do, we do have the POD cast if you are interested in Detroit Lions podcast. That usually drops every Monday for the post game, And then we have a pregame, which we're going to have probably also on Friday morning. Okay. Because um, that name is genius and just the worst all at the same time it's like the pod cast that is that is awesome but try searching for that on google and good luck so i thought i was a genius for about 
the first two weeks until I realized the horrible mistake I had made. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, Jeremy. Jeremy Reisman, Pride of Detroit. You can see his writing. You can listen to him uh, on the POD cast and uh, hear him ramble on. It was like, he's probably one of my favorite guys on Twitter. You crack me up all the time. So uh, follow him just for, for, for his random statements on, uh, um, what was it you said about John Gruden and Guy Fieri? Like how we did not descend into a black hole or something like that? <laughs> yes, both together on some Monday Night Football segment, and I don't know how their forces brought together did not <laughs> consume the entire earth. Yeah, Guy Fieri took John Gruden to Flavortown uh, during a segment on Monday Night Football, and that was one of the first signs of the apocalypse, isn't it? Those two, you know, <laughs> o- outlandish, you know, over-the-top guys uh, together in the same room. That's uh that's a scary sight, but somehow we all survived it. So, but again, then again, Los Angeles is on fire. So maybe we didn't, uh, we didn't survive. So, you know maybe, what? Maybe it's starting. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. All right. Well, you be safe and uh, you know, cover up the mouth when you're outside so you don't choke to death. All right. I'll do that. All right, Jeremy. Thanks so much. Some quick final thoughts before I have to go take off and uh, be with the Force and have the Force be with me. Um, you know, th- this game with, with, with you know, we, we talked about it um, during, the, during the interview was that, you know, the, what got the Lions back into the game was the Bears' own doing. Uh, the fumble recovery that, that or the, the fumble between the, the botched, uh, you know, um, exchange between um, Trubisky and, and Whitehair became a fumble that turned into a touchdown uh, for DJ Hayden. At that point, it was 10 to nothing, and the Bears were rolling. You know, they, they, they looked like they, they had it together, and they, they were in control of the football game. We're up 10 to nothing after the first quarter. We're just getting things started in the second quarter, and that fumble return opened a 21-point quarter for the Lions, and the Bears are playing from behind for the rest of the football game. And um, if we've learned that one thing that the Bears cannot do, I mean, absolutely cannot do is play from behind. And it was it was by our own hand that all of a sudden we opened the floodgates and got the Lions very much back into the football game. And we had our you know, we were leaning on that throat in the first quarter and we're imposing our will at the start of the second. And the next thing you know, we give them a reason to have hope and to, you know, believe that they can get back into this football game and take the lead. And, and what went from being, you know, uh, 10 to nothing football game at the end of one was 21 to 10, 21, 17 uh, at halftime. And the bears were playing from behind. And it's just, those are the things that we have to avoid. You know, those are the things that, um, we, you know, we, we can't have a 10 penalty outing against the lions. Like we had last week against the, uh, the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals who were literally phoning it in, you know, not to take anything away from, the Bears, but they just didn't have it. They absolutely did not have it uh, in that game, and the Bears took full advantage uh, of that. The, these Lions still have something to play for. They're in the wild card hunt uh, right now. They're on the outside looking in at the moment, which means they cannot spare uh, any uh, any more uh, losses, especially to a team that they are three games better than, whose season is already over and basically has nothing left to play for. The only thing we do have to play for is to ruin Detroit season, which would be a fine little gift under the Christmas tree for me, if you know what I'm saying. But, um, you know, it's we're definitely capable of it. We should have done it 
back in week number 11 when we had our first chance at it. But we got in our own way and allowed the Lions to take control of the football game. And the next thing you know, we're, we're scrambling to catch up and we can't pull it off. Well, I think that, you know, building off of what we did last week on the road uh, against Cincinnati, it's entirely possible that we could ruin Detroit's season by doing it again uh, on Sunday. I keep saying Sunday. Why wouldn't I? But instead, we're playing on Saturday, you know, this weekend. Let's just stick with this weekend so I can stop screwing it up. But, um, you know, that's that's what we need to do. We basically need to keep doing what we did do against Cincinnati. We need to be stingy on defense the way we were. Only gave up the one touchdown drive early in the game, and they never they never did it again. You know, maybe sprinkle in a turnover or two, uh, like we did against Cincinnati. And then on offense, just do what we did against the Lions, but avoid the self-inflicted wounds of a of a fumble recovery that's going to be taken back for a touchdown. How about we do that? Because that was the game where we looked better on offense. We're, you know, we got more involved with, uh, you know, Adam Shaheen and uh, Tariq Cohen. Jordan Howard ran for a buck 25 uh, in that game. And uh, Trubisky didn't have his most accurate day, but he, you know, played very well. And we talked about that fourth quarter run that that set up the the game tying field goal that Barth missed by a country mile. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, we were in a position to do something. We could have stolen that game back if we made it back to overtime. Well, this is the this time we have to get it right. We have to do it right this time, and um, I believe that we can. You know, and it's funny. It's Jeremy was saying that right now he was leaning towards picking the Bears, and you know I've all week long been leaning towards picking the Lions just because of the history of it. It's been since Lovey was head coach, his last game as our head coach, ironically enough, that we've beaten the Lions uh, in in uh, at Ford Field. And, um, you know, if we play the way that we did against Cincinnati, minus the penalties, of course, if we play that way against Cincinnati, we'll beat the Lions on Saturday. We absolutely will. And I definitely think we can. And gun to my head, if I had to make a choice, I do like the Bears in this game. I absolutely do. You know, but there's it's an if because a John coach, a John Fox coached team is inconsistent, if nothing else. So to be awesome one week means that you have to come out the next week and stink to join up. And that's why I made the joke about the, you know, the preemptive bear down that I gave Dole Loggins because the, you know, the, the hyper-creative genius that used Dontrell Inman as a decoy so Kendall Wright could get open for, you know, for 10 catches and 100 yards on Sunday will be that guy that's leading with his chin, you know, in, in a fist fight with, with the Lions on Saturday, that he'll be out there tipping his hand with the personnel he puts out on the field, making us predictable and one-dimensional and so on uh, and so forth. So it, it's, it's, it's up to us. And be, I honestly believe we control whether or not we're going to win this game this weekend. You know, we come out and perform the way that we did against Cincinnati. We use the same imagination, the same creativeness on offense where we're actually on top of it all focusing on getting the younger guys involved like Howard and Shaheen and Tariq Cohen you know sprinkle in some some Kendall Wright and see if we can't get a throw to Dontrell Inman from time to time you know keep them guessing Trubisky threw to eight different receivers on Sunday I love hearing that you know I'd love hearing that and I and I would like to to, to see that number added to make it eight receivers outside of Howard and Cohen that he's connecting with on Sunday that would be even better 
and uh, you know, see if we can't keep them clean like we did last week against the Bengals. They had a couple of sacks, but for the most part, Trubisky had the time uh, that he needed to find Kendall Wright several times and Adam Shaheen for four catches and a touchdown and so on. So let's do that on Saturday. Let's be that team again. Let's worsen our draft position and see if we can't get into the top uh, 15 instead of being in the top 10 right now. So let's. how about we do that? Let's ruin the Lions' playoff chances see if we can keep ourselves from having uh, a double-digit loss season and pull out our one and only victory on the NFC North this year. So let's have it be on the road at Detroit. That would be cool with me. So anyway, that's going to do it. I got to go and get ready. It's almost time for me uh, to go to the movies and see uh, The Last Jedi. I know that some of you, especially my, my, uh, my friends over across the pond, uh, when I made the announcement on Facebook that I was going, everyone's telling me that I'm going to love it. So you bastards better be right. All right. So anyway, uh, we will be back on Monday. Well, maybe Sunday. We'll see. Depends on how boring the the, the Sunday slate is. But, uh, you know, DirecTV is giving away the Sunday ticket for free. So I'll be able to watch whatever the hell I want. So uh, maybe if I catch a good game on Sunday, I'll wait until Monday. Keep your eyes open. It'll be open, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and such. And uh, I'll be announcing when the next show is coming out. Until then, my name is Larry D. May the force be with you. And this has been the Chicago Bears Review.